Welcome to Carlton Fields' Recruiting Podcast, From Campus to Council. I'm Jack Clabby, the hiring partner at Carlton Fields. With me is my colleague, Ted Delcima, uh, often described as the mentoring whisperer uh, by our colleagues here, just due to all the advice and the people who seek him out, both within the firm and outside the firm. Ted, how are you today? I'm doing well, Jack. Thank you very much for having me uh, for our second episode. Absolutely. Well, we're here preparing for OCI and for callbacks, and we thought we'd talk a little bit today about the on-campus interview slash on-campus recruiting, OCI, or sometimes called OCR. Um, and, you know, we staff that on our side uh, pretty carefully, uh, but let's back up a little bit and think about Ted, maybe just describe for the listeners who aren't familiar, what is this, what is this OCI OCR process? Well, it's it's definitely a PTSD inducing experience. Uh, I'll say that much, Jack. Thank you for the fair warning on OCIs, but OCIs on campus interview, it's pretty much where employers come to campus and conduct interviews of selected students. So at the University of Miami, they had a whole portal. Think of it like an, an, a University of Miami Indeed portal where you would see employers and sometimes the names were held, but they would just have a job description and you could upload your transcript, your resume, a writing sample, and then you just apply in one, one swift click. And then you just pray you get an email. It's like a callback, almost like a draft day. And the entire time you're freaking out. So in a <laughs> nutshell, that's on-campus interviews. And then, you know, in the old days, it would be conducted over the period of a week or two, and it would be in person on campus. That's the on-campus portion of OCI. For the last two years and going into this year, most schools where we recruit at least are doing them virtually. And so, you know, you're still planning your day around being available as a student, but instead of going to a place, um, you, you are, you are, doing it virtually, you know, from, from room or somewhere on campus, somewhere quiet. I think OCI has made it a little different um, to do it via Zoom, but the game plan is still the same. You still yeah. apply with law firms. You'll get a lot of them, maybe not all of them. Now, we spend a fair amount of time. This is a little insider baseball. We spend a lot of time writing the description for our summer associate um, hiring. And we even put in there which offices we're hiring from. And sometimes we'll put our practice groups. And then invariably, we meet students who are like, what office are you hiring for? Or what practice groups you're hiring for? And I'm like, look, fair question. I'm happy <laughs> to answer it. But we put it in our just we put it in our, our, our highly edited 250 word description. So my advice would be read the description um, yeah. to make sure it's consistent with what you as the law student are, are interested in, Ted. What, what do you think about that? I agree. That's a major red flag for me personally, because, you know, like if you're not going to read it and you're just going to apply, you sh you're going in there blind. Uh, OCI yeah. is, I'll give you a statistic. Uh, the, the American Bar Association states that about 10 to 15% of large and mid-sized firms heavily participate in OCIs. And they do that. Some of them plan years in advance. So imagine the level of planning you just described, Jack, and then you have a would-be candidate. It's like, hey, which office is this for again? <laughs> you know, like, and, and it's already hard as enough to even get in front of the employers. And, and if I could share a brief story, I, I yeah. never understood the concept, Jack, of OCIs because I'm like, why not just apply? You know, like, why not just make a connection, this and that? 
And I spoke to a shareholder at um, Kozak and I said, hey, why is it that a lot of, sometimes a lot of good people fall through the cracks when it comes to OCI? And he's like, honestly, Ted, we spend a lot of money in our recruiting. Uh, yeah. We are extremely busy. We plan these things ahead of time. And it's easier for us to have this kind of handled, put the burden on the school. And they send us some of their top students or some of their top candidates that meet our parameters, then take the time to meet all these individuals. So yeah. I say this because OCI is extremely important. It might be your one and only shot to actually get in front of your employer that let's say you like XYZ firm, it might be the one and only. Some of them don't do direct recruiting and you can't even reach out to them outside of the OCI program. No, for sure. And for some firms, it's the only way they get associates. Now we, yeah. we hire through summer associate hiring. We also hire mid-level associates and senior level associates laterally, but for some firms, it's all they do um, mm -hmm. is hire through this. And so it is tr truly for those firms, the, the one shot that a, that a law student has to pursue a career there. Now, these interviews are 20 minutes, 30 minutes, depending on the law school. They're short, and that goes by quickly. Now, my advice is always prepare a game plan in advance, and it could be as simple as three things about yourself that maybe aren't on your resume or are on your resume, but that you want to highlight, and then three questions that you want them to answer for you. Um, so three things you want to say about yourself, three things you want them uh, you'd like to get answers to. I think that to me has always been sort of, okay, if, if I get through a 30 minute interview um, with, with a law student and I know something about them, oh yeah, that's the one who played baseball in college, or that's the one who really wants to do trust and estates work. And they read that we were looking for a trust and estate summer associate. This is great. I'm going to go now and call, you know, uh, Kristen Keene and Jordan August who are our, our partners who sort of lead that practice and say, I found someone really cool for you. I like to leave with my little headlines and I love it when a, when a candidate gives me those headlines themselves. Yeah, uh, Jack, you, you had me at three questions and, and I'll take it a step further and saying yeah. that you want to make those questions pointed because with OCIs, right, they tell you they're not hiding the ball. This is not a magic show. You know exactly who's interviewing you and some firms shameless plug, Carlton Fields, they send you a whole PDF of who's interviewing you, their practice group, their <laughs> awards, their recognition. So they do most of the work for you, right? Yeah. So you want to make three pointed questions. And again, Jack, Jack keeps failing to mention he interviewed me. My pointed question toward, towards Jack was, I listened to his podcast and I asked him a question on his latest podcast. So I gave him something like, wow, Ted does his research. Ted knows what, you know, like who's in front of them. So that's definitely important, especially when you have 20 minutes. Engage me like a colleague, right? We're going to be colleagues together. You know, I, we are going to treat one another like colleagues forever, forever, right? That's what really this interview is. And if you start acting like a colleague immediately, respectfully, obviously, but let's engage on ideas. Those are the do's, right? Some of the don'ts are um, don't ask generic questions that reveal to me you did no research on the law firm. Right, it's like I heard you're really collegial. Can you tell me what that means? The only time we hear the word collegial is in on-campus interviews. It's it. You could be the most collegial firm, but no one would ever use that term to describe. I would say we're really nice, or everyone gets along, or even if we disagree, we do it respectfully. Collegial is like, uh, you know, it's one of those words that's just reserved for that. So I think the generic questions or what's your policy on pro bono? Well, you know. We're one of the biggest pro bono firms 
you know, in the country in terms of on a per associate basis, it's highly visible on our website. You can get answers to that. So it might be, you know, can you tell me about a pro bono matter that you did? I had a great one last year that I did as a 1L. Um, so I, that's why I'm excited about you guys. Like, how does it matter to you personally, Jack? So the kind of ways of taking things that, that, that are um, making specific things that can otherwise sound generic or at least recognize, okay, if you're interviewing with a firm that has an office in just New York and just DC, not asking them about their California office. Or if you're interviewing with Carlton Fields, knowing that we're mostly litigators versus mostly corporate, whereas other firms might be mostly corporate and some litigators. These are all knowable facts that you can know before you sit down. Exactly. And, and one thing we can't forget, right? You mentioned it earlier. A lot of these interviews have gone from in-person to remote. And that always begs the question. And, and even though I'm out of law school, I still have some mentees. I'm a bar prep coach. And they always ask me, Ted, what should I wear to my Zoom interview? I'm like, well, you know what you should not wear is a t-shirt and, you know, or like being your PJs <laughs> because that's your first impression. Yeah. So offline, Jack, you got to share the story. You were talking about your, your sister, uh, yeah. what she's told well, you about dress code. So go ahead. So I'll tell you, so I'm, I'm a, I'm a uh, it doesn't come through on the podcast, but I'm a big guy. So I'm six foot five, uh, beard and, and bald. And so I've got a pretty unique look. And my older sister works in uh, television news and, you know, is involved to some degree in preparing people uh, and for how they look when they're on television, which is really what Zoom is. And she says, you know, being a big guy, Jack, with a distinct look, you need to look like, you need to dress like a CIA agent. You want to make sure that people's, no one notices anything about you. They don't want to say he was well-dressed or poorly dressed. They just want you to say, that's a professional and then move on. Ted, you're known a little bit around the law firm and in the, the at least the, the larger legal community as something of a fashion lawyer or the fashion guy, because you always have something, you have a little bit of, a little bit of color popping out of, your, out, of your, um, out of your pocket. You've got a little bit of jewelry sometimes on there. You've got cool glasses. You're at the other end of the spectrum from me. You know, uh, what do you think about showing a little personality with, with your outfit? I think you should. You know, I, like I told you offline, bold and beautiful, right, Jack? <laughs> Big, bold, and beautiful. Triple Bs, not to be misunderstood as the Better Business Bureau. Bold, big, bold, and beautiful. I think, I think you can show personality in a very respectful way. You know, I'm not going into my interviews with a pink suit uh, or, you know, a big fedora, feather. No, you could wear, you know, the important colors, a blue, a black, a gray. I wouldn't do a tan for your first interview. Blue, black, gray, classic white shirt. You could have uh, maybe a nice checkered tie or design on your tie. And you could have a, an accent piece. The accent piece can be your pocket square. You know, like a simple colored pocket square that highlights your tie. But you look fashionable, you look coordinated, and you look well-groomed. And because a lot of people, they're afraid to show that personality or that side of them. But me, right outside looking in as an employer, as an employer, I'm thinking, wow, this guy took some time to, to get himself together. This guy looks yeah. nice. He, he looks the part. I mean, I even asked you, is this podcast going to be recorded? You see, you see my ensemble right now. I wish <laughs> you're looking recorded. good, but I don't know if you're looking good just because it's a, a normal day, uh, uh, Ted, or just because we're doing this over Zoom. But I'll say this too. So not only is it the fashion, but it's also the presentation. So it's, if you're doing it over Zoom, it should be well lit. You should yeah. have your lighting device then your camera, then your face, so that you're being lit like you would. Uh, and again, it's not because 
looks matter, it's because it's, it's a way of being respectful and showing me that you took some time to think through this. And then if you're having a call with a client of ours or with a courtroom, you could pull together how, how this works. There are rules to this game. Do you, are you aware of those rules? Um, a couple of things too, sort of, uh, that I think folks should remember, which is, okay, what are some questions that we hear? We get this question a lot. What are some questions you like? And when we do trainings for our interviewers at the firm, these are a couple of questions that, that come up that I like hearing from associates. Um, if associates leave, where do they go? You can learn a lot if you ask that question in OCI. When associates leave your law firm, if they leave, where do they go? Okay, do they go to other law firms? Do they go to in-house jobs? Um, do they solo practice? Do they go to the government? If, when associates leave, where do they go? Um, the second one is, how many folks who may partner at your law firm started as summer associates? I love that question. How many folks who may partner your law firm? Because it tells you, are they bringing in 30 people and making two partner? Or are they going to bring in 30 people, make, or are they going to bring in 10 people, make eight partners? Or is there something else going on? You can learn a lot if you ask that question. Then the last one that I like, which was a new one that I got last year for the first time, I love it, is when summer associates leave at the end of the summer, what do they say that they liked about the summer? What do they say that they didn't like about the summer? I think that's a cool one too, because we, we, we get great feedback from our summer associates because Ted, right? They feel like they can, you know, they're a member of the team, they're colleagues, they're going to share yeah. with us some great stuff. And we, we hear some, some things we wouldn't even think of, right? And, and sometimes it's there's too many events. Sometimes it's there's not enough. And that could be the same summer, but sometimes it's really good insight. So those are, those are the questions that, that I like. Um, anything else you think, Ted? that they should, that, uh, you know, sort of rising, uh, rising 2L should know about OCI or about what our perception is for the OCI process? It, it goes back to a little bit of what we mentioned in the first episode. It's really utilizing your career development office. Uh, I, I mean, at, again, I can only speak for my law school, you know, go Canes, University of Miami, you know, all that. Uh, but our career development office actually sets up a room for you, for your OCI, because it is remotely. And they only do that if you reach out to them. So they'll set you up, they'll have your lighting right, and they'll partner you with actual attorneys to do mock interviews. I did four mock interviews before interviewing with Carlton Fields. And these were with, uh, you know, my career development officer, that was with other attorneys, friends. So utilizing your CDO for the OCI it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. It makes sense. So I, I would definitely push rising 2Ls, uh, 3Ls and the like to really use that office, especially since you're going remote, you know, that's something great. unfamiliar. Yeah, that's great, Ted. That's a really good point to emphasize to everybody here. They've got available help. Use it. And if you use it, 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 it really does show. And that's a sort of a strategic advantage or a competitive advantage that one student can have over another. And it makes them um, calmer, Betty, bet, better prepared. Well, uh, thanks everybody for joining us here on the second episode of Carlton Fields' recruiting podcast from campus to council. And thank you, Ted. Uh, to everybody listening, please continue to tune in uh, and uh, best of luck in the recruiting cycle.